you mind telling me your name? <laughs> yeah, sure. My name is Becky Harlan. Okay, and who are you? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am a 27-year-old woman from Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, I'm an ENFP. Michael Kroger, recreational hockey player, lawyer, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. My name is Vernon Draper. Jamel Winston. I'm Jay Dev. Gina Cristina Simo. Christian Glasset. Wait, actually, my yeah. name is William Hebert. All right, who are you? Who am I? That's a damn good question. <laughs> I am a friend of yours. I am a computer scientist from France. I'm a human being. I'm also a gambler. I'm your mother. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just everything that's good. Mixed with a little bag. Everything that's good mixed with some bag. And I'm Lizzie Peabody. This is Your Story Here, a podcast about humans and the common threads that bind us. I first started interviewing strangers after a couple of decades of being told not to talk to them because I wanted to get better at interviewing, and this show is about sharing some of the conversations that I've had. Now they're yours too. I live alone these days, and I've been thinking recently about how easy it is to spend huge swaths of time alone, even in a city that is teeming with other people. The other day I got a phone call in the afternoon, and when I picked up, I was surprised to hear that my voice sounded croaky and hoarse like a toad, and I realized that I hadn't really spoken to anyone all day. Even though I'd been out and about, and I had the impression that I was conversing, I was really just hearing the running commentary in my own mind and listening to the voices of the people around me. Today's episode features three interviews, two with strangers and one with someone I know quite well. All of them spend a good deal of time alone. So ask your questions, lady. <laughs> no, um, to be honest, most of the time you're alone all day. You know, so it's a job that you have to be... You know, you have to be comfortable with being by yourself. And most of the time, you're just kind of riding your bike, doing your thing. And I think that's why most of the guys like it. So there may be a slightly antisocial element as well. My courier number is 234. So when they call me up on the phone, they don't say, hey, John. They're like, yo, 34. What if they got you confused with 334 or 134? Well, there is no 334 or 134. Then why is there two in front of your 34? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think they reserve like the lower numbers for bikers and the higher numbers for car guys. Because we do have car guys that do the same thing. I've done the car courier thing before. I used to work for CBS News. The car courier thing, it kind of sucks. You just sit around and get fat all the time. Bike courier, man, you stay lean and hungry. It's good. Do you have to carry your knapsack around with you everywhere? Like on your bike? You, don't, you can't just like dump it at headquarters? No, no we don't have a headquarters. We're just out on the street. I don't know. I've never worked in an office. Yeah. I don't even know what they do in there all day. In offices? Yeah. Depends on the office. I know, but like, <laughs> they stand and they, they're like staring at a computer screen all day? That's where like, the work happens. Like, oh. are they constantly busy? We always talk about how our jobs kind of suck, but at least we're not in those buildings. Yeah. Even when it's like February and we're like <laughs> fucking freezing on like yeah. a 10 degree day, we're like, eh, fuck it. It's better than being inside. It's like across class, kind of like some of you guys are college educated, some of you guys are not. Right. There's like sixty something year olds and there's early twenties. Cross racial, I mean there's as many black guys as white guys out there. 
What is it like to be a part of that community? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of hanging out in coffee shops. Like between deliveries, like during the day? Or yeah, like on happen? standby or whatever. I mean, uh, one of my best friends that I do courier work with, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do anything. We just go get coffee and talk shit. He's part of this uh, contingent that I want to call Bike Courier Book Club. Because he and like a couple other guys, we like just talk about books all the time. And I've had like books passed to me at like intersections and stuff. Like, Dude, you got to read this. No way. <laughs> yeah. So it, surprisingly, it's like a literate community as well. Or to some extent. So like basically the way the job works is you'll be going from like one area of town to another area of town and you're hoping to get as many jobs on the way as you can. So if you're going from like DuPont to Capitol Hill, they're not just gonna send you with one package. So you get stuck on standby a lot of times where they just want you to stay in this particular place. At that point, you'll like go to a coffee shop or you know, do your thing. Or if you're like me, you'll sit down and read a book in the park and hope nobody bothers you. <laughs> I've been on a serious Harukai Murakami kick. I just finished Norwegian Wood. He's also famous for 1Q84 Wind Up Bird Chronicle. That was the first one I read by him. And then I also just read uh, the new Jonathan Franzen novel called Purity. Freedom is awesome. 27th City, that was his first oh, novel. It's the book my dad led me. Bottle Air's Revenge. It's sort of a crime novel set in like the turn of century Paris. I used to love looking at shit in the OED. You know, you get those like 20 volume sets. So great. Like I'm really jazzed on this new Naomi Klein book. She's cool. I love Naomi Klein. Totally have a crush on her. Like I say I read like a book a week or something yeah. like that. So it keeps me busy. It sounds awesome. It's a fun job. I mean, you're, you're not really beholden to anyone but yourself. I mean, your dispatchers tell you what to do. But, you know, it's up to you to do it, and really, you're not getting yelled at at all. Now, I have had to deal with deadlines where I absolutely had to get there by a certain time, but they're not gonna give you, like, impossible deadlines. Like, I pretty much ride at the same pace, like, all day. Not crazy fast, you know, it's getting through town. I don't have, like, the nicest bike. That's... I bought it when I got doored and it fucked my other bike up. Getting doored is when somebody opens their car door and you're riding along and you run into the fucking car door. And that's not fun. There's no picnic. The only time I've... Well, I've been doored a couple times, but only one time where it really fucked me up. And luckily it was like winter time. Like, it really matters what kind of clothing you're wearing when you get in an accident. As, a, you know, in terms of how hurt you're actually going to get. Because if it's summertime and you get doored and you spill out... Man, covered in blood. But wintertime, you just get like a couple bruises because you're wearing gloves, multiple shirts and coat and stuff like that. Sometimes it sucks, sometimes you're okay. How, was the, how did the car look? I think I bent the hinges back on the door. <laughs> <laughs> I was going pretty quickly. I've been hit by cars like three times, but I've never gotten hurt. Knock on wood. Not even a little bit? Not even like a fracture? Like, like bruised or whatever, but yeah, I've never had anything that I had to go to so like a car doctor was, for. A car was turning, and you... So the first time I ever got hit, I remember this very well. It was like raining outside. I was on F Street between 13th and 14th, and this cab comes up and pulls this U-turn, and I fucking... Our paths converged, and it spilled me all out. 
was an African cab driver, and he was nice. He was like, are you okay? He like kind of picked me up off the ground. He's like, man, it's life. It's life. Are you okay? I don't care about the cab. I'm like, I'm cool, man. He was actually pretty nice. I didn't write down his plate or anything. I got hit by another car. That was much the same thing. It was like this lady who was making a U-turn in the middle of the street. She didn't see me and hit me. That didn't fuck me up or my bike. But recently, like right before Christmas this year, I got knocked shit out of by this lady so I was going on K Street and she was pulling out of this parking lot and just like whipped it around into me as I was riding down the lane and I think I jumped over the car or something I don't know what the hell happened but I had not a scratch or a bruise on me but my bike like I had to get a new front uh, wheel had to get a new fork did she pay for it? well here's the pain in the ass thing about it she didn't have insurance and she lied about it at the scene. So I didn't get a police report because I assumed this lady was gonna be cool with it. Mm -hmm. Instead, I got stuck holding the bag on like $800 worth of bike repairs, which I had to fucking pay for. It's like, fuck, man. What am I supposed to do at that point? Like, take her to small claims court? You know, I mean, like, it's a lot of money, but it would mean me probably taking off days of work in order to get this taken care of or hiring a lawyer. Gonna cost way more. Either way, it's gonna cost about the same as fucking bike repairs. So it just <sighs> sorry to get all fired up about this, That's but yeah, oh my god. retirement home wishing I were, had something useful to contribute to the world. I've really never on my own accomplished anything which is a terrible thing to say at this age because <laughs> a little late but I lived my life for my, your grandfather and it was a good life. It was a very exciting life in many ways but um, when he died all of a sudden, I said, I realized that my whole life had been him, and I'd, I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I thought I was terribly old. I was only 67, and uh, I've lived on many years after that. For the record, I'm 92, about to be 93. Well, how did that happen? I don't know. How? You don't plan out. I never thought to myself, well, I'll be gone by the time I'm 75. I never thought about it. Do you? No. no. You don't do that. You don't plan that way. And it just sort of happens. It was a big, big shock to me. That you, that you made it to, that you... That I woke up one day and I was 92 years old. <laughs> well, I, the first shock was when I was 80. Then I then I got over that. And then I got to be ninety. <laughs> Soon you'll be a hundred. I, I hope not. I don't want to be a hundred. <laughs> Why not? Well, what's the fun of it? I haven't. I, what I feel like is, I thought, as you aged, you this mantle of wisdom would descend on you, and you would have all the answers. That's not true. If you're a nut when when you were young, you're a nut when you're old. <laughs> <laughs>
you still are not. <laughs> if you ever were to marry and have children, that would make my being a hundred worth it. But I think you will. I think I will too. I just, I don't think it's going to be terribly soon. No, you better be quick if you want me to get happy about your grandchildren, my <laughs> grandchildren, or great grandchildren. Yeah. Now you see this friend I have here, Cece. She's only ninety. She's very young, and she has two great grandchildren. No, oh, they're jealous. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. really. Not. <laughs> I know it. I'm not really jealous at all. If I don't have a chance to have kids before you turn a hundred and decide <laughs> to stop living, do you have a message for my future children from their great grandmother? Oh, what a question! What a thing to say. Heavens, who would I be to give advice? Uh, hello, darlings, whoever you are and wherever you are. <laughs> I don't know, Lizzie. we got to just let things unfold. We can't overthink and worry about them. We really mustn't. What did you do when you were, when you were lost? How did you get through Well, I, you know, the minute I was, that he died, I moved in, away from the farm into my house in Arlington. My life was upside down, and I had to be, have a place to be. Mm-hmm. And that, luckily, we had that house. You see, Tom and I had never lived in that house much. We had been a member in Vienna and in Panama and down on that farm that he loved. So it wasn't as if there were ghosts all over the place. They weren't. There's so much to take care of when a person dies, especially when he dies suddenly and leaving things kind of up in the air. So believe me, I, I had a lot of work to do that sort of, in a way, that's a marvelous thing that happens because you grieve, but you don't have time to to really fall into the pit. You, you, you are too busy. I remember every flat surface in my house was packed, packed with papers and things to do. I sort of plowed through all that, and that took a few years, really, to get it all done. I was very proud of myself for managing financially with what money I had and keeping a roof, repairing the house, keeping maintenance and whatnot. So for 20 years, I lived in that house. And and, uh, I loved that. I loved living there. And uh, I think a lot of you grandchildren got to know it as Grandma's house and enjoyed it. And that was great. That that made my life fun. But I was proud. I thought to myself, Tom would be proud to know that I've been able to manage it. And I, then I got tired of doing it. It was, it was too much. But I still think of that house as mine. I'm glad those people live there, but I'm just yours. out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> and I didn't realize when I sold the house that anybody would care, but... I think other of your cousins thought it was terrible. They thought it would always be there. And that made me feel awful. I remember when my grandmother sold her house, I felt that way. Pretty old house, yeah. Where was that? Columbus, Georgia. (laughs) The house called Glen Laura. See, at Glen Laura... It wasn't in the country, but it was on the outskirts of town. 
I remember staying there when maybe I was about five years old in upstairs bedroom in a great big four-poster bed that was very high. And um, they had a, every room had a fireplace. And I woke up in the night and the fire was sending shadows up, sending shadows that scared me so. That was frightening. And I remember being alone in that big old bed, <laughs> hearing the trains make, you know, trains can make a haunting sound in the middle of the night. Yeah. Or they could then, but nowadays I guess they don't. In Glenlora, where I lived a lot when I was little, the old black women, or not old necessarily, would come by early in the morning mm -hmm. with baskets of fresh peaches, um, beans, corn, things like that, and calling out, calling out, fresh peaches, fresh corn. It was such a sweet sound. And at Glenlora, they had along what they called an avenue leading out to the main red where those women went by. And my grandmother would send her maid out to buy fresh vegetables and fruit mm -hmm. for, the, for the day. Oh. It, was some, it was another world. In that it just You can't think it would have ever happened. So you'll think back on, on this world, and it'll be strange. Oh, don't let me talk this into <laughs> this thing. I'm not saying anything. I get talking, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, will you tell me your name again? Nana. N-A-N-A. -A. And who are you? Uh, I don't know what to say. I'm a Ghanaian. You're a Ghanaian, but you're here living in yes. Virginia? No, I'm living in Maryland. Oh, in Maryland. Okay. But I work in Virginia. And what are you doing right now? Uh, deliveries for Starbucks. Okay. Do you always work nights? Uh... Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, then Thursday. Actually, I don't work for Starbucks. I work for a company that supply, that do delivery for Starbucks. I've worked there for five years. Do you like the job? Yeah. yeah. But you spend so much time alone. Uh, yeah, I spend 14 hours a day. 14 hours alone a day? Mm -hmm. Every night. Oh, I start every working. night? Yeah. When do you start work? Around 3, uh, I clock in around 4. I'll get to the warehouse around 5. <laughs> it makes me tired just thinking about it. I'm like staggering home to yeah. bed right now. <laughs> so you're halfway through your work day. Well, you're more than halfway through. Yeah, I'm more than halfway. Yeah. Do you like working by yourself? Uh, not really, but... You know, not really, but... Uh, how are you going to do it? You know, sometimes they give you help. Sometimes... What do you care about in life? What do you love? About life? Mm -hmm. um, I would say... I'm a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian. And I love my family. I have an only boy. I have an only boy. Uh, I, love, I love my family a lot. And I love my mom, too. She's in back home. She's in Ghana? Yeah. When did you last see her? I went to Ghana last last two years. Tell me about your mom. She's a nurse, a midwife nurse. People like my mom. 
where she lives. Oh, everybody comes to him, telling him his problems. You know, it's, it's a nice person. Mm -hmm. It's a nice person. Yeah. Mm. Is it difficult to be away from your family? Very difficult. My wife is here, so my wife and kid are here. Uh huh. Yeah, this is my boy. <gasps> oh my gosh, he's adorable. Oh, he looks like a happy kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's always happy. Brian is always happy. How old is he, six? Uh, yeah, he'll be seven. I guess he'll be seven. Does he go to school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does he like school? A lot. I close from work, get home fast, pick him up. You go to private school, take him to school always in the morning. That one, I told my wife, no, I'll do that one. I always I'll make sure I take my boy to school. What do you love about taking him to school? I pray for him. We chat. You know, I don't just sleep in a house. Mm -hmm. so we chat, learn before I take him to school. Why does he go to private school? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we struggled before we got that boy. We had about a lot of miscarriages. So when that boy came, I was so happy. I said, no, this boy... Is there anything my wife tells me? No, let's take him to the park. I say, okay, let's take him. Why did you come to the United States? My wife came here first, right? My wife was in the college. And then he get a chance to come to States. When he came here, he was coming back. And I said, no, I don't. There's something to do, you know. And then she told me, if, are you, do you want to come? I said, yes, I will try and come. <laughs> So I tried getting a visa for some time. They refused me. I went to the embassy. They refused me. I tried. I came home, got some documents. You know, went there again. They refused me about three times. But the fourth time, they gave it to me, the visa. And then I, I told my wife. That was about 13 years ago. Wow. But do you like being here? Are you glad that you came? Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Back home, it's, it's, it's difficult. Things are not better like here. Mm. Back home is difficult. Things are not good back home. Mm. Do you worry about your mother? A lot. A lot. So what would you do if you knew you would be successful, no matter what? Mm. Uh, there's a lot of people back home. Very poor people back home. I only take care of them. A lot of people back home want to take care of them. Like, I'll just take care of people. All, all people? Not all people, but you know, yeah, anybody who's in need. Anybody who's in need. But people took care of me when I was young. You know, people took care of me, my uncles, they took care of us back home. Fees. I was lucky to have a granddad who have money. I know my daddy lives here. I know he lives here, but I've not seen him before. I know he lives, like I know this man lives man live in this house. I've not seen him before. I went there twice to, to look for him. I didn't see him. Wow. So. He was never in your life? No. It's my granddad who took care of me. I was lucky my granddad was, well, he was rich a little bit. Yeah, so he took care of us, all of us. He took care of everybody in the family, my granddad. Mm. So I named I name a boy after my granddad, <laughs> Amu yes. It sounds like you have a lot of love in your life. Oh, yeah. 
But now my wife is not happy. I don't know. She's going through problems. This is what I'm praying for every day. Is it hard for her to be home when you're at work? No, no, always. I'm, I'm always on the phone. He's sleeping now. He just he wake up around one o'clock and start calling me. He be talking, talking. But <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with her. He's thinking. I don't know. If I ask, what are you thinking about? I don't know. Huh. Is, is she is she unhappy? She's very happy. Oh, what do you? Why do you think something is wrong? Yeah, she always sit down quietly, like sometimes unconcerned. She's not like that too. She's a very happy woman, but I don't know. So whenever I draw attention, they say, oh, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. But I know there's something wrong. Huh. There's something wrong. How long have, has it, have you? Since about a year now. But luckily, she, she, she works okay. It's okay, drives okay, do everything okay. But mm -hmm. when it's sitting now, like, the mind goes far away. I'm praying for her always. Maybe she worries. She's anxious. I'm sure. But you my, my, my child. Mommy, stop thinking. <laughs> the six-year-old boy. Stop worrying. Stop worrying, mommy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Good to meet you. Good to meet Nana? Nana. You are? Lizzie. Okay. Lizzie. Oh, can I take a picture of you for my... That's it for this week. Don't forget to check your side view mirrors before making U-turns in the middle of the street this week, guys. Your Story Here is produced and distributed by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C. You can find shows like this one and more at GoatRodeoDC.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC. I want to give a special thanks to John, Grandma, and Nana, as well as to all the people who have been generous enough to talk to me on the street. Thanks also to my talented, taller, younger brother, Tom Peabody, for the original music, and to all of you for listening. Don't forget to talk about this show with everyone you know, or better yet, with a stranger. I'm Lizzie Peabody, and this is your story here. Keep an ear out for us. <laughs>